Very Bad Wizards is a podcast with a philosopher, my dad, and psychologist, Dave Pizarro, having an informal discussion about issues in science and ethics. Please note that the discussion contains bad words that I'm not allowed to say, and knowing my dad, some very inappropriate jokes. I thought I understood this whole thing, but I guess I don't. I need help. Look, Welcome to Very Bad Wizards. I'm Tamler Summers from the University of Houston. Dave, those plucky underdog investigators at Data Collada who work tirelessly to keep science safe from fraud, along with the plucky underdog University Harvard, they're being sued by Francesca Gino for defamation. This is how we're going to go down, isn't it? it? I mean, it just is, right? We're getting sued at some point. I mean, like, I'm not going to lie. I, I, for a second, I was like, should we get lawyer? <laughs> But then I was like, she's not listening to this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, not, not by her. I don't even mean by her. I just mean at some oh, point. We should probably have a lawyer on retainer. You yeah. think? Yeah. <laughs> we need like a general counsel for <laughs> very bad wizards general counsel. That sounds bad. <laughs> I don't know how those data collada guys are going to. That sucks. Like, the, the, what would you do? Like, what if you got sued for $25 million? Like, what would you do? You like can't afford that shit i know there's a couple examples of podcasts i listen to where the people have been sued um (laughs) one of the guys on chapo got sued for defamation although that was less related to the podcast also uh the the people at uh uh know your enemy this uh, like it's kind of leftist intellectual left podcast that focuses on right-wing figures or uh movements they got sued too, just totally frivolous. But the ACLU defended them. Oh, nice. So uh, I think we would try to get probably somebody to defend our right to free expression. Our right to mock anybody. <laughs> right to want. mock get graduate <laughs> students <laughs> and their papers. <laughs> the thing in the lawsuit that I saw. Uh, I texted you guys this, that she's a working mother of four people and uh, that the Data Collada guys seem to always target women, even though their other really big time person <laughs> was Dan Ariely. And number one, and their example that they she used was Amy Cuddy. And in like the Chronicle article about it, it was like uh, they previously raised questions about Amy Cuddy's research and she subsequently left Harvard University. It's like it's. Not like anybody thinks that what they said was uh, inaccurate about right. Amy right. Cuddy. Like defaming. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's that part. It's the most <laughs> Definitely cynical. stood out. Yeah. Yeah. It's a desperate tactic. And obviously, I don't know enough about law to know what's defamation and what's not. But like her lawsuit does seem to boil down to like, you can't prove for sure that it was me. It might have been my RA. Right. Like. Yeah. But that's like whatever. 
Like it's your yeah, I don't feel like it's unreasonable to say. Like I think one of the things that's mentioned is this interview with Yuri Simonson where he says like clearly he goes, we don't have proof that it was Francesca Gino. And then he just says as an aside, I mean, I personally think it was her. <laughs> yeah. And like that's the defamation. It yeah. seems frivolous, I imagine. Like hopefully it just gets tossed out like right at the beginning. And I think it seems like another, as if people didn't have enough reasons to be worried about exposing somebody of fraud now the threat of some huge lawsuit if i were harvard in fact to all the harvard you know board members uh (laughs) listening to this i think you should pay for data colada's for data colada yeah 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 i think that would be the right thing to do um harvard is known for doing the right thing (laughs) always (laughs) every (laughs) every at every step yeah, uh, give him, you know, is Dershowitz still alive? Toss, toss old Dershowitz over. <laughs> that would be hilarious. <laughs> the final redemption, it would be like. <laughs> Speaking uh, of, actually, let's just not further talk about Alan Dershowitz because uh, <laughs> we don't want to be on the wrong end of a defamation suit <laughs> just true. yet. That's true. Speaking of psychological studies, and the result in those studies in the second segment. <laughs> what a segue. Bravo. <laughs> Thank you. We are going to be talking about uh, a paper called A Quantitative Examination of Half-Belief in Superstition. But first, what are we doing? First, we're taking a, this is, we're going to do a study live. So this is mm. actually uh, a um, study that got shared on Twitter by researchers at University of Madison that will give us, by the end, a score on how much we have an internal monologue versus, Mm -hmm. or in addition to, how much we use mental imagery, just like vivid mental imagery. Um, So a few people tweeted this out. I think Vlad, friend of the podcast, Vlad, uh, posted his scores, like a screenshot of his scores. So I thought, fuck it. I think this is a, let's figure this out. And after we take it, I'll tell you that I had like, my mind blown a little bit about about this and like the differences in people I asked. Um, well, I'll get to that. Between so, you and uh, other people? Other people, yeah. It just seems like one of those things that you never think about it. And to find out that somebody else might have a, a phenomenology that is so different from yours, like I wouldn't yeah. have believed it. Yeah. I just don't. like. And, and I had a re- conversation about this where we were just expressing disbelief. Like we both thought that the other person was lying about this because it yeah. seems... <laughs> all right maybe all we'll right. see now i'm well, curious we'll yeah. yeah all right let's do it all right uh do you have yours up yep all right i'll i'll read the first one I, I think about problems in my mind in the form of a conversation with myself so the scale is uh one two three five point five. scale strongly disagree to strongly agree neither agree yeah. nor disagree um i would say that i mean it's hard to I haven't looked at the survey yet. I wanted to take it fully fresh. Yeah. I would say I somewhat agree. Like sometimes I'll be like, on the one hand, I should like, maybe I should do this. On the other hand, like it's, uh, you know, it's probably not, it's not like I'm, have, it's not like a play or something. It's not like a right. dialogue, but it is kind of a conversation with myself. So I'm going to say somewhat agree. What do you put? I strongly disagree. Really? And I think this is going to get to it. Like, yeah. I, All right. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I just don't. I think, like I think about things, it's, I just don't verbalize. Like it's never in the form of, of words or running on Not never, but yeah. Um, Really? So yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, this is going to get interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm now. shocked about myself. <laughs> um, I find it easy to decide if words rhyme by seeing their... Mi- Sorry, I find it easy to decide if words rhyme by seeing their spelling in my mind's eye. I strongly disagree with that. I don't yeah, that. strongly disagree. Yeah. If I'm walking somewhere by myself, I frequently think of conversations that I've recently had. I, like, I don't know how to uh, interpret frequently here. Like, I w- that's not most of the time, but I, uh, but I do this a lot. So do you think I should do strongly or somewhat? If you do it a lot, I'd say strongly. Okay. Um, I, I, I somewhat agree. I do think, definitely think about conversations. When I read, I tend to hear a voice in my mind's ear. I do, I do not. I don't think I do. No, I don't. Yeah. yeah. I, I strongly I disagree strongly. with that. I often talk to myself internally while watching TV. I often talk to other people while watching TV. It's not as welcome as I would. You definitely, but you do talk to yourself, right? Like, kind, like. uh, I've heard you. I've heard you when you didn't think that I was on. Like, I swear one time you were like, oh, I was just talking to myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. No, no, I do. Okay. I like. I don't often do it okay. while I'm talking to me. Like, is this verbalizing it? Am I articulating it, or yeah, am well, I, I just you. like thinking, "Oh, that's right. Uh, this is the guy from episode two, or something like that." Yeah, you know? I think. I think this question is asking talk to myself internally. Just means like, are are there sentences that you're creating in your mind to yourself? I'm gonna say neither because I don't. Whatever this is, I don't often do it. I don't think. No, I probably do. I'm going to say somewhat because I probably do do it. And I think it's bad. Like I should shut the fuck <laughs> up um, while I'm watching something. Um, so, all right. Uh, yeah, if I'm I, walking. I, I, I never do. If what, you're you never in my do. answer. No. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I assumed already that you never do. Yeah. All right. If I'm walking somewhere by myself, I often have a silent conversation with myself. What does this mean? How do you interpret this? I feel like it's. There must be some because because I don't I don't do it. It's hard for me to know, but I assume it's something like right. Tamler. Did you really have to do that, or like you really should work harder, like or you should tell David how awesome he is more often? Uh, yeah. Like sometimes if I'm regretting something that I did, I'm like that was stupid. You shouldn't have done that. That's like yeah. bad. You know, you're a bad person. Uh, so if, yeah. if you don't do it often, I would put somewhat agree. I'll put neither agree or disagree since I put somewhat last time. Uh, I hear a running summary of everything I'm doing in my head. That, uh, no, like, no, certainly not. Everything I'm doing, often not even. Like a, like, like Howard Cosell? Like, is yeah, that, like, and he picks up means. the soap. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> He's wiping his ass. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's getting himself a third glass of bourbon. Should he be having that? I don't know. Bill, what's the stats on this? What happens when he has the third gl- glass of bourbon after eight 8.30 at night? How, do, how does he sleep? What's the next Rob, day look like? R- Rob, no player who's had over three glasses of bourbon has ever reported a good night's sleep. So, <laughs> Yeah, they have like all these stats of like my productivity. Like the analy- <laughs> analytics community is like, well, actually, um, if he only if he has a good dinner before the third drink, he can have a fairly productive day the next day. Uh, I strongly disagreed with that. It's easy for me to imagine the sensation of licking a, a brick. Interesting. Sure, I somewhat agree. I don't know if it's accurate, but I can imagine it. Yeah, I, I strongly agree. Like, it's it's so vivid in me. It 
makes me think I must have licked a brick at some point, but I don't remember licking a brick. But like I could just the texture, yeah, I put <laughs> yeah. strongly actually because I kind of feel that same way too. When I think of someone I know well, I instantly see their face in my mind. I, uh, hmm. I feel like I somewhat agree. Sometimes it's a it's a actually I, I, I might strongly I, agree. I, like yeah. Oh, I was gonna say, do I do that? I can do it. But like, right. Uh, so the only thing stopping me, like, uh, from from being so sure about this is that sometimes I think about somebody and it's jarring that I can't think of their face because I think that normally their face does pop into my head. Like, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna put neither agree or disagree because I don't really know. Like, uh, I certainly don't uh, instantly do it um, right. unless it's somebody that I like probably don't know well and I'm trying to figure out who it is. Uh, I can easily imagine the sound of a trumpet getting louder. Strongly agree. Yeah, for sure. I find it difficult to imagine how a three-dimensional geometric figure would look like when rotated. I guess I somewhat disagree. I don't know if, like, like, it's not the easiest thing in the world for me, but I can do it, I guess. I can picture some dice or whatever yeah rolling yeah i i think it's not too hard for me but i'm going to somewhat agree because it's a little I've, difficult in some like you know i've taken those those tests where you're supposed to mentally rotate and like the harder ones do give me trouble an old saying a picture is worth a thousand words is certainly true for me that's a, that's a this is where a likert scale is like yeah i don't know what what you're getting at it like like, I guess maybe like if what they're trying to say is like our our images just oh, way more powerful than yeah. like a verbal description. Okay. okay, then I agree. So I'll somewhat yeah. agree. But I object to the question. Uh, my <laughs> memories often involve conversations I've had. Yeah, somewhat agree, I would say. Yeah, I also somewhat agree. I'm trying to find, okay, somewhat agree. My memories are mainly visual in nature. This is really, like, this is hard, like, uh, to just kind of, like, I, like, are they? I don't know. I guess. I'm going to strongly agree. Yeah. I think that they're pretty visual, like, pretty strongly visual for me. Yeah. All right. Here's one where we may diverge. I tend to think things through verbally when I am relaxing. I tend to think things through verbally when I am relaxing. I strongly agree with this because I do. Like I, I talk to myself. All right, let's you know, I'll get myself into some like meditation uh, thing. But I, I will do that. I will get myself verbally in the place to try yeah. to relax. No, I strongly disagree. For me, yeah. My mental images are very vivid and photographic. Here's where I, I mean, think I, like yeah, I yeah. hate the word photographic, but. But I do, I think my mental images are super vivid. I would say I neither agree nor disagree. I don't think they're super vivid. I don't think they're, but they are, you know, they're meaningful, the images. Uh, right. We did that at Aphantasia tests. And like, yeah. it's not like you don't have. Uh, for this question, please choose the option that begins okay. with the letter N. What the fuck is that? Is that just a... It's just an attention check. Okay. I guess that would be strongly. Oh, that begins. Oh, neither. Right. <laughs> Oh, I <laughs> this is going to get uh, tossed out almost. I often enjoy the use of mental pictures to reminisce. For sure, for me, like I'm, I'm visualizing what I'm reminiscing. All right, I somewhat agree, I guess. 
When I hear someone talking, I see words written down in my mind. Strongly disagree. I'm with you on that one. I assume you yeah, strongly disagree. That seems crazy. That seems yeah. insane, yeah. <laughs> if I talk to myself in my head, it's usually accompanied by visual imagery. No. I, I would uh, strongly disagree with that. What about you? Um, I just never talk to myself in my head. So neither agree nor disagree, I guess. I guess. <laughs> yeah. A strategy I use to help me remember written material is imagining what the writing looks like. Strongly disagree. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> I think a lot of these things, it should just give you the result. You're crazy. Like, <laughs> when I'm introduced to someone for the first time, I imagine what their name would look like written down. That's, again, a batshit, yeah. There's something wrong with you. <laughs> you should be institutionalized against your will. <laughs> I, I rarely vocalize thoughts in my mind. I would say some yeah. would disagree with that. Uh, I, I think I probably sometimes do. Yeah, or, I somewhat agree because, like, if I have to write something down, of course, like, I'm gonna. Actually, I well, think even I'm then, no, somewhat actually, agree. I think I'm somewhat, and you're probably strongly because if I actually think about yeah, it, I, I don't think I'm strongly vocalize. Yeah. Oh no, vocalize is different than seeing it in writing. Yeah, vocalize. So like, oh, so I'll somewhat disagree then. Okay. Yeah, I think I strongly agree because now that I think about it. Even when I'm writing things down, my phenomenology is the thought to the fingers. Like, it's hard for me to like think. I don't think I think in words for, but I don't know. This is, you know, this my is introspectionism a, is hard. We just did an episode on something like this, right? But I remember thinking, there's something weird about you, um, <laughs> like how you were answering, but I just kind of like overall, we were on this, we, we kind of had the same general perspective. So I just, I think while <laughs> I was editing, I was like, yeah, huh, that's weird. Maybe he misspoke. I like to give myself some downtime to talk through thoughts in my mind. This makes it sound like you're scheduling downtime. <laughs> like, and so I'm going to strongly disagree right. with that. I don't do that. Uh, right. My inner know. speech helps my imagination. Here, I think we're going to be on the opposite sides because I will strongly agree on this sometimes. Sometimes I'm just like, and maybe this is like I'm thinking of when I'm writing something or something like that, but like my imagination then is aided yeah. by that. No. I don't, yeah, I'm going to strongly disagree because I don't think that. We're yeah. so different. We have such different <laughs> inner lives. <laughs> How could we even be friends? For um, this question, select the option strongly disagree. I'm going to somewhat agree. <laughs> <laughs> I can easily choose to imagine this sentence in my mind pronounced unnaturally slowly. Yeah. I strongly agree. Yeah, I mean, we edit audio. Like, yeah. I feel like it's not too hard. So you can hear voices in your head. You just don't do it. For yeah. sure. Like, yeah. I can, yeah, I can imagine, like, the sounds, the slowing down and the, yeah. When traveling to get to somewhere, I tend to think more visually than verbally. I guess I will strongly agree. It depends. But, like, if I can do it visually, I would. Sometimes it's yeah, just like that's Google the thing. Apps. Like my sense of direction is so terrible that sometimes I have to rely on like the turn left, then turn right, right. thing. Um, but I actually but, have a good sense of direction, and yeah. I, yeah. So I'll strongly agree. I'm gonna neither agree nor disagree because my sense of direction is so bad. I don't really think. <laughs> right. I'm just like GPS. Tell me where to go. When thinking about a social problem, I often talk through it in my head. A so a social problem. I guess I do. 
I mean, I'm a talker to myself. Like my family makes fun of me for talking to myself just verbally. And so like, I probably just do it in my mind. Um, So I'll somewhat agree. I take it you're strongly disagree. Yeah, I'm so strongly disagree. I can easily imagine someone clearly talking and then the same voice with a heavy cold. Yeah. For sure, yeah. I can do that. I see words in my mind's eye when I think, no. No, that's... Strongly disagree. You're crazy. You're a whack job. (laughs) (laughs) Cuckoo. I hear words in my mind's ear when I think. No, I don't. Yeah, I'm not sure what the mind's ear is, but I'm going to somewhat disagree. Thanks. Uh, So that's it for me, at least on this page. I hope it doesn't go on. So it says, (laughs) your internal verbalization score measures the extent to which you experience your thoughts in the form of spoken language. Your visual imagery score measures the vividness of your visual imagery. Uh, and people with higher visual imagery are also more likely to, exp- that's where you're different, are also yeah. more likely to experience their thinking in the form of language. Your representational manipulation score reflects the ease with modifying your imagery, vis- visualizing things from different perspectives. The last score relates to your orthographic imagery. To our surprise, we found that a sizable minority of people report frequently visualizing words as texts part of this new national psychosis. Uh, For example, (laughs) when someone tells them their name, some people report automatically imagining the name as it would appear when written text. Um, Yeah, that's so weird. I'm glad to hear, though, that it's still a minority, even though they say it's a sizable minority. Right, because I I imagine if there's... We should put those people into camps. (laughs) Yeah, put them away. (laughs) Okay. So So, can you take a screenshot of yours so we can post this for our listeners? Sure. Uh, I'll just tell you my score. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about it. I have an average internal verbalization, just like whatever, who gives, it's a 3.5, it's in the 45th percentile. Right. I am in the lowest, (laughs) I'm in the, I'm in the extreme standard deviation all the way to the left. I have an average of 1.5 and I'm in the second percentile. (laughs) I mean, wow. Uh, this is what I was talking to Nikki before. We- about like you know calling people other people crazy, you know. <laughs> well, this is what like right before we recorded, I just was like, okay, uh, Nikki, do you have a uh, inner monologue like a voice? And she's like, well, yeah. And she's like, you don't? I was like, no. She's like, what the fuck? <laughs> she I like, couldn't understand like how I exist. I'm like, I just think in thoughts. I don't know, like they're, they're thoughts, like they're just not words. <laughs> I wonder if it's like, yeah, no, it's got to be a real phenomenological difference, not just a difference in like how, how we you describe in, the how you thing. interpret yeah. your, your own experience. Yeah, yeah, I, that's what I was struggling with. I was like, am I talking to myself? Like, a, I mean, but I didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, weird. Um, all right, the, the visual imagery, visual imagery. Again, I am just the most boring person uh, <laughs> to ever have a podcast, which is saying something. Uh, your visual imagery score is average. It measures the vividness of your visual imagery, and my score is a 3.7, which is, again, in the 45th percentile. <laughs> my imagery score is 4.5, and it's in the 88th percentile. Nice. So not okay. as extreme as the other. Uh, which is actually not what they predict. So No, it's yeah. very weird, yeah. Orthographic yeah. imagery, word as text. I am one point one four in the second percentile yeah, because I am. Uh, yeah, good. Like we are more normal than everybody. 
but that's what's 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 weird is that we're actually extreme when it comes to right. this. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. It's a bunch of fucking psychos. Jesus Christ. Like, what are we gonna do? <laughs> it's like we're the the crazy people, maybe. It's like a <laughs> twilight zone. Um, okay. Also representational manipulation. I'm like a fucking genius. I have a four point six three and I'm in the ninety-fourth percentile. What about you? Uh, I am 4.38 in the 88th percentile. I'm like Oppenheimer, you know, like the, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm worried about the death and destruction that uh, my mental manipulation skills will <laughs> yield. All right. That's it. I have no inner monologue, I guess, which sounds like a, a really like a, like a terrible thing. But I just think it's weird that people talk to them. I honestly thought in movies when people were talking to themselves that this was like a, like just Shakespeare. pure exp- ex- exposition like okay they need to do this for us to like right. <laughs> to like know what's when going a on. Shakespeare character will talk to the audience you know yeah <laughs> yeah um that's interesting and you know it's like this like you you're already like two-thirds of the way to enlightenment like awakening a Buddhist <laughs> awakening because that is like the thing that you are aiming not to necessarily like eliminate or in fact, not at all to eliminate, but to not get trapped by it, to not get led by it and to not identify with it. Um, Right. So, So, but here's the weird thing because I have done the meditation of the sort where you're trying to like, not, not like hold on to your thoughts. So, so I remember doing whatever technique I read to like, let your thought float away from you as it comes in. Like imagine yeah. it floating out. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, if I'm going to imagine my thought floating away from me, I'm going to have to put it into like the words <laughs> right. and then imagine the words floating away because it wasn't in words. Like, it- <laughs> So like you were already like at the next level, next step, <laughs> and they actually bumped you back. <laughs> but you know, the whole idea of monkey mind, which is like exactly this, you always have this monologue running in your head. And it's fine if it's just running and doing its own thing. It can even be kind of soothing. But it, the problem is, is that it can lead us in, you know. But this is where I'm actually having a problem because I don't not have thoughts constantly running through my head. I do constantly have thoughts running through my head, like constantly, like to the point where like I'll be reading something and I'll have been thinking about something completely different. It's just that they're not in words. Like, I I don't know how to describe it. Like, I don't think in words. Like, if I think cat, I never think of like, I never think of the words cat or verbalize the word cat. Like, in my head, it's just like, oh, it's a cat. It's it's like what what uh, McCarthy was talking about, the yeah. language of thought, right? This is wh- That's actually when I had, uh, you said something in that episode that made me be right. like, oh, well, yeah, yeah. What, uh, I don't think right. it's quite like that, but I thought you just Mentalese. kind of misdescribed what you wanted to say. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the Maybe I edited like, it out it. like because I was like, he didn't mean to say that. That's, that's too weird. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But I, I guess like there's an inherent like problem with trying to describe than how you do think. If you're just trying to think of your schedule for the day, like when you, when are you going to record that better help spot? Uh, yeah. Like uh, you're like, you don't think like, well, I have this thing at two and then I have that thing at three. Could I get, you know, like, do you think I would still have 15 minutes? You know, you know what I mean? Like you don't do that. Yeah, I, just like, like I'm a, struggling. I'm struggling because I, I think the thoughts, like I have something at two, I just don't ever feel like, like, I feel like if if now I were to have to share them, and I remember always thinking this, okay, I was like, okay, language is for when you all of a sudden have communicative intent, and then you put those thoughts into language. So I feel like I'm thinking I have to do this and I have to do that. 
but I never really feel like, like if, if I were to say them out loud, um, it would be like a very, like a very, very different thing. Whereas I think that like, so Nikki talks to herself like quite yeah. a bit and you know, I've caught her before and I'm thinking like, doesn't that slow down? Like the, it would be much quicker to just think the thing. <laughs> yeah. Is this why you always like can come up with the perfect rebuttal to my point? It's just <laughs> yeah, that you're just doing that. this at such a more efficient rate. As that did sound super pretentious the way I said it. <laughs> I didn't mean it Oh, that these way. poor like, mortals you know saying, who have to like <laughs> put their things into words. When I was reading Gerda Escherbach in fourth yeah. grade, I remember having the, the insight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, it's frustrating to me. I've been meditating for almost 10 years and you're like more advanced than I am. You're like, you <laughs> such no, bullshit. But look, for me, like a, like all of a sudden, you know, some porn like will pop into my head very strongly, mm. you know? I have to get rid of that. That's hard. Yeah, that's, that's hard. <laughs> <laughs> or like it's not like I'm spared that either. Yeah, right. That's true. <laughs> but yeah, like when you're, fe- if you're like jerking off, are you just like, and then she takes her clothes off <laughs> in your head? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was, uh, and then her stepsister enters the room. <laughs> instead of instead of imagining boobs, I think of the letters in English. B O O B S. All right. Well, I've learned that we live completely different in our lives, and um, uh, yeah, or we have, or we have completely different ways of communicating the same in our lives. That's I'm just not convinced that like it's one or the other. That's know? the weird question. That well, I guess yeah. it's really hard to know. Are we just yeah. interpreting? And, and is there even a hard distinction between those two things? Because maybe in the interpretation do, does change the experience. You know what I'm I mean? I'm going to say something crazy. Yeah. Maybe fMRI can help us tease these things apart. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> That'll solve it. Uh, I mean, it's not insane to think that maybe some people have, like your verbal areas are more active when you're thinking about a problem and, and somebody else's visual or whatever. I don't know. That's not improbable. Uh, that it would be like a possibility, but a study demonstrating that uh, <laughs> <laughs> is not plausible. There you go. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, we'll be right back to talk about beliefs and half beliefs. This episode of Very Bad Wizards is brought to you once again by BetterHelp. Have you ever reached a point in your life where you realize that something needs to change? Maybe you can call it a crossroads in your life and you're unsure which path to take. Maybe you're trying to decide on whether to make a change in your career or you realize that something about your relationship needs to change. Maybe it needs to end or maybe it needs to go to that next level. Whatever it is, therapy can help you map out your future. And I think that talking to a therapist, having them listen to you, offer you feedback or just being there for as somebody who can let you Uh, communicate your thought processes out loud, that can really help you find your way forward. Times in my life like those are the times that I have myself turned to therapy and I found that it was extremely useful, even if it was only for that transitional period in my own life. So if you're thinking about this and you're thinking about uh, giving therapy a try, why don't you try BetterHelp? It's entirely online. As our listeners know, it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and work around your schedule. You can talk to a therapist in any mode or medium you desire. And all you have to do to get started is fill out a brief questionnaire. They'll match you with a licensed professional therapist. 
If you don't like that therapist, you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So if you think you're at a crossroads like this in your life, let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash BBW and you'll get 10% off of your first month. Once again, that's betterhelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash BBW. Our thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of Very Bad Wizards. Welcome back to Very Bad Wizards. This is the time where we love to thank everybody that gets in touch with us and all the different ways you do. You can email us, verybadwizards at gmail.com. Tweet at us, at peas, at Tamler, or at Very Bad Wizards. Join the Reddit community. You can follow us on Instagram. You can like us on Facebook. And subscribe to us on Spotify. I think that might help. Who knows? And rate us on iTunes. We love getting iTunes reviews. We even referenced one in this episode. But those five-star reviews are huge for connecting us with listeners who don't know about the show. So thank you so much for doing that. And if you would like to support us in even more tangible ways, you can find all the different opportunities on our support page. You can buy some swag. You can buy some mugs. Give us a one-time or recurring donation on PayPal. And, of course, you can become one of our beloved Patreon supporters. And there is so much going on right now. For $1 and up per episode, you get ad-free episodes episodes and now seven volumes of David's Beats. He just put out the seventh volume of Beats Without Rhymes and it's awesome. Two dollars end up you get access to all of our bonus episodes seven to eight years worth including Star Trek breakdowns with uh, Pizarro and Paul Bloom and, and actually I think he did one or two with Barry Lamb you get deep dives into Twin Peaks and all things David Lynch with me Jesse Graham and Natalia Washington and we just dropped a really good conversation about Inland Empire a few weeks ago you also get early access to David and Paul's series Psych that comes back to a season two which I feel it probably will. And you get access to my new podcast miniseries with Robert Wright, Overton Windows, on the shifting range of acceptable discourse, quote-unquote acceptable discourse about a given topic. And finally, of course, you get the best thing we've ever done, the best audio podcast series out there, The Ambulators, where David and I break down every episode of Deadwood 
the best TV show of all time. We are now halfway through season two. A little housekeeping on this quickly. Because of traveling issues, we're not going to put out a new Ambulators next off week, but you will get the new episode of Overton Windows where Bob and I talk about UFOs, UAPs, and all the recent developments, the congressional hearing, the latest disclosures. This was fun. I like this a lot. Is the range of accept respectable discourse changing on the question of UFOs. At $5 and up per episode, you get access to our Brothers Karamazov series, our five-part series, arguably the second best audio event out there after The Ambulators. And quite relevantly at this point, you can vote for the Patreon listener-selected episode, and there's a vote going on right now. There still might be time to cast your vote. Right now, it's a tight, tight three-horse race between Blood Meridian, Cormac McCarthy's novel, uh, William James, The Pluralistic Universe, and Solaris, the book by Lem and the movie by Tarkovsky. And finally, at $10 and up per episode, you get to ask us questions in our monthly Ask Us Anything series. We'll answer them for you in video form and then also in audio form for all of our bonus tier listeners. So there is a lot going on here at Patreon. We hope you're enjoying them. Uh, we're definitely enjoying them. And honestly, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for all your support. All right, let's talk about this paper, A Quantitative Examination of Half-Belief in Superstition, uh, from Avner Kaspi, Itai Shmuel, and Aaron Chajut. I don't know, like the anglicized version of sure. that, but I'm going to guess that they might be Israeli. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. From, they're from Ranana, Israel. The Open University. So, David, I know you think the impact of superstitious beliefs is just, like, negligible. It's like <laughs> nothing. But it's actually far greater than you think. Did you know American businesses lose 800 to $900 million every year on Friday the 13th? I well, did not know that. Or that oh, in okay. Taiwan, people are willing to pay 15% more for products that present the digit eight, since they consider this lucky, uh, they're a lucky number. Uh, and that in Israel, pregnant women prefer to avoid buying furniture for babies before birth, even when such avoidance incurs a significant cost, because they think that preparation for a baby fosters bad luck, I guess, like jinxing it. So do you yeah. still think that there's no impact to superstitious beliefs? Uh, I, you sound like you're being facetious, but I, I fully admit that I did not think that superstitions would matter that much. And I'm kind of shocked like especially that eight hundred to nine hundred million dollars every year on Friday the thirteenth. That's like insane. See, I was appalled, but more because this is the way they measure impact in these like <laughs> depressing capitalistic terms. Like, well, it is an impact. <laughs> I also don't buy it. Like, first of all, <laughs> the eight hundred to nine hundred million dollars because ing at all two thousand ten. But see, two other studies for different <laughs> results. It's like, oh uh, yeah, you know, right. like, catch that. So yeah. why are we then? Putting the one from the one study. Turns right? out there's a healthy debate in the field about Friday the 13th. <laughs> I also don't buy the Taiwan thing, right? That the like, I would like to see that study. Kramer, no offense to Kramer and Ned Block. So. <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> <he's> <laughs> <that>. <laughs> 
anyway, de- that that kind of depressing capitalist way of measuring impact aside, I think that this paper is tackling a really interesting issue. And I think it's come up for us a bunch, the relationship between belief and behavior or belief and practice, right? So uh, a kind of contrast between your state of beliefs and how you act in relation to that belief. Um, And so they focus on uh, specifically superstitious beliefs, and they uh, discuss this concept of half-belief, where your stated beliefs don't match your behavior in practice, right? So you may say you don't believe in jinxes, that's bullshit, but if you always knock wood after saying something good is going to happen or, like, you throw a glass at somebody, this I, I've been in a situation like this, it's a classic, it's a cliche, but someone was like, oh, hey, look, he's pitching a no-hitter. Like, <laughs> the team doesn't have a hit. <laughs> uh, like, you know, you're going to get uh, <laughs> something thrown at you or your ass kicked if you do that. Um, well, it, But if you then say you don't believe in in jinxes uh if you're the glass thrower like that the state of belief and the practice would be different and according to this kind of terminology you would half believe in jinxes so they say uh that mckellar 1952 was the first to notice this contrast between practice and belief i i doubt that he was that that was a 1952 discovery well they also say that magical thinking has been common dating back to ancient greece because (laughs) but not before that probably made a fully fully formed and only in greece (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) Uh, everybody else was just like pure like hardcore naturalist (laughs) perfect bayesians Um, and then (laughs) ancient greece happened Uh, but in any case sociologists they say have warmly embraced the phenomenon of half belief uh, but until now this phenomenon hasn't been examined quantitatively which is what the the authors are doing here and again like i may be a little facetious in how i'm describing this but i actually think it's a kind of really interesting uh, uh, topic Um, they want to document the imbalance between actual practices of superstitions and the degree that you say you believe them and I, I really like this. They want to propose that half-belief, even this concept of half-belief when there's this contrast, isn't all or nothing, but rather that our beliefs work along two separate continuums, like how much we believe it and how much we practice in a way that suggests that we believe it. Um, they say they hypothesize that people position themselves differently on each scale. It's a weird phrasing there because I don't think they mean that people actively position themselves, but rather that people will fall on different aspects of this continuum for both the stated belief and then also how you act. Um, and again, I think that's right. It's obviously not just you either believe it or you half believe it, or you don't believe it. It's right. a continuum, and I like this idea of two different dimensions of belief. Um, so they develop these scales that will help uh, identify the distribution of half believers who practice more than they believe, and passive believers who practice less than they believe. And then just a, a couple terminology things. To the extent that our practice correlates with our b- belief, we're calibrated believers that's what they call these people and it doesn't mean that you just if you believe in jinx and you always act it can be like let's say like this is probably true of me i kind of believe in jinxes and i and i also only kind of act in a way that suggests that i believe in jinxes 
Right. So that's calibrated. I, right, right. Yeah. Right. Contrasting with me, yeah. who's like a classic half believer in the jinx, who like got very mad at Yoel for congratulating the Argentina win in the World Cup, therefore causing them right. to almost lose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Propositionally, sit- I believe that's poppycock, but like I was angry. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I didn't know you felt that strongly. Poppycock? <laughs> Holy shit. It's <laughs> my favorite Puerto Rican porn. Uh, okay. <laughs> there, here comes the defamation. Uh, okay, so what do they find? Well, first of all, they find that very few people uh, pract- both practice no superstitions and very few people report complete disbelief in them. I buy that. I yeah. think you have to be like one of these toxic rationalists, as they say. <laughs> Do you think even Sam Harris would admit to having a superstitious belief? Good Richard question, Dawkins, actually. yeah. Yeah, I'm sure Dawkins would, would he would be like, no, I have no belief. I believe in no superstitions and nobody should ever read literature. Um, <laughs> second, that people who demonstrate cal- calibration between belief and practice are just about 15% of the sample. Again, like, doesn't surprise me. We're weird about superstitions. And, like, pressed, if we're pressed on it, we'll say, yeah, I don't really believe in that, but we'll just do it anyway. We don't act in that way. And what they say is, I think we're all familiar with someone who says they don't believe in somebody, but something, but just acts in a way, you know, like like you with jinxes, right? Um, And with all sorts of things, like, we're like, gun to our head no absolutely that's ridiculous i'm not gonna like totally change the like my understanding of the laws of physics uh, for this one thing but they don't act that way at all but then they find this other group which is kind of less intuitive that this would exist which are passive believers so these are people who believe like imagine you believe very strongly that drink jinxes are true but you just like jinxed yourself and your favorite teams all the time <laughs> you know i guess that would be a passive believer right right uh, so you think um like if you buy your baby uh, like furniture before the, it's born like that would be yeah. a terrible terrible right. thing but you're like fuck it <laughs> <laughs> I need to get that furniture in there. I don't want to like. I might save like twenty five bucks. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> Have you looked at the cost of ensuring our baby's safety <laughs> and health? Uh, that's just I can't. I can't stomach that. They also have this other aspect that they're trying to measure, you know, trying to compare it to like uncertainty, uh, you know, how like the role of anxiety, the role of uncertainty, and also the potential asymmetry between negative superstitions like jinxing, I guess, is a negative superstition, whereas making a wish uh, when you see a falling star is a positive superstition. So uh, they find some differences there. Like this is... less interesting part of the paper to me is trying to match these things up because I just don't buy (laughs) what they're saying and how they measure those things. But like the gen, they do also like get uh, some demographics and they have a a gender effect I think is interesting. Yeah. What's the gender effect? That women just report being more superstitious in general, like belief and practice, I think. Well, Um, they're irrational. (laughs) <laughs> they never fully they developed just, their super ego. They, uh, they live according to their emotions. <laughs> That's why men have to run things. So this is what gives, this is what gives us bad iTunes reviews. You know, <laughs> did we get a bad iTunes review this no, last no. week? So back at, no, no, no. This was like before when somebody just wrote misogynists. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, the very beginning. 
repugnant? No, no, no. Like a couple few weeks ago. Like a oh, really? Ago. Yeah. We're not misogynist. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. Uh, uh, it's just that we, in practice, sometimes act as if we are. <laughs> <laughs> right. We're half misogynist. Exactly. So at least say that if you're going to leave a bad review. So, yeah, they also, like, this. the study was taking place right as the pandemic was starting. So they try to uh, look at the moderating effects of that. Again, I just, like... I kind of glaze over this stuff because I don't buy it. I, uh, right. Well, the know, idea, like, let me at least present the idea. The idea sure. is that that superstitions offer you some control when you feel out of control. So, so to the extent that you can stop bad things from happening, you're impelled to do those things, like by exerting control over your environment, like whatever you know, tossing salt over your shoulder or something. Um, and so, people who have higher, like, state uh, uncertain, like higher. Uh, anxiety, for instance, um, would be more likely to endorse superstitions. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And I think they find that that evidence is mixed, as you might Yeah, expect. it seems very weak, actually. And yeah. They say so themselves. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about this idea of half belief or the, this, because I'm so on board with the way they talk about the phenomenon of belief as kind of encompassing these two different tracks, uh, how you act and what your report, your belief is. Um, the, 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 I'll just say, just to wrap this up, that the uh, Transformers question, this, this idea came up because I accused you of actually not believing what you say you believe. Oh, transporters. Sorry. You said Transformers, and I'm so confused. <laughs> because you thought when it's the like car turned into like the owl... That you, but you know what I'm saying? Like the when you you would say it's a murder machine, it uh, you automatically die whenever uh, you step into a transporter. But yeah. then you um, would watch Star Trek, and you don't think that oh, that's a new Captain Kirk, and the Captain Kirk I loved for since he got into the last trans <laughs> transform transporter. Now I'm doing that uh, <laughs> is is dead. Like you don't think that. I mean, I disagree, but we're not going to relitigate this. Like, I just think I'm suspending my disbelief in that they created a universe where nobody believes that. So I'm, I'm okay. Okay. <laughs> like, fair. that would be, it would be really douchey for me to be like. <laughs> so maybe then uh, the better example is what you said earlier, yeah. which is the, you got actually very mad at Yoel. I was on the <laughs> yeah. text chain when he <laughs> congratulated you um, for Absolutely. the World Cup. That, and, and I was like, I like I, I, the fact that you hosted him. Like less, like a few months later at your house is just a well because they pulled out in the end. I think that if yeah. they hadn't won in the end, I, like it would have been. Yeah, this yeah. is how this is how communities start blaming the Jews for shit. You know, <laughs> <laughs> the Jew was at fault that time. You know, I don't know. Like, I try to defend Jews when I can, but that was indefensible what Yoel did. Um, yeah, I I, th I think this is uh, a really interesting question in general and maybe underexplored. Yeah, I think so too. And I actually think that um, superstition is one of those things that is – so like I, you're you're joking about the way that they measured impact. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's a decent point. Like that's a funny way to like focus on impact. Um, by just calculating the amount of money lost. That like but, Target loses on the <laughs> yeah, like Amazon never hosts sales on the 13th. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I think it's actually quite ignored in something like social psychology who's, that's supposed to be looking at social phenomena. Um, yeah. the, the, the ubiquitous nature of superstitions is uh, it's hilariously not ubiquitous in like, a, a social 
psych text at all. And I think that that that's like a huge part of it. I think it also helps illustrate just in general mechanisms of belief. So I think that to the extent that we can understand like some of these like really weird things, we get some insight into how beliefs are formed to begin with. Because I think that probably what's going on with the acquisition of of superstitions is that it's just the normal learning. Like it's how we learn anything. It's just sometimes like there's a like a weird glitch in the system or in the environment that leads you to like connect two things. And then that's passed down culturally. And that's pretty fucking interesting. Right. Or like you can even see yourself getting super like I can intuit why a baseball player might not want to change their socks when they've had like a streak, because like that's actually like something I think that is normal about our psychology. We're connecting things. And and sometimes those connections actually start getting weird. But obviously not weird to people who believe them. But <laughs> but weird in the sense that they don't match. Uh, they're not consistent with the other ways they understand right. how the universe operates. You know? Right. And it's just hard to undo that like in yourself. It really seems like uh, if you've learned these things through the normal mechanisms, which is either you've been told it by like the culture over and over again, or you've actually made the connection on your own. Like yeah. it feels a little Pascal's wagery sometimes to ignore it. So I would want to separate that, uh, although I think that is uh, an explanation f- sometimes. Let's just not <laughs> roll the dice or let's, right. you know, uh, yeah. let's, there's no reason to run the chance. Jack could just as easily do it on Saturday the 14th. Um, right. And then there is what I think is maybe the more common thing where when you're acting on it, you fully believe it's important that you do it. You know, like the the thing that Yoel did, it's not that you were like, you know, on the slight chance that it could have an impact, I'm going to get mad at Yoel. You were just, <laughs> when you were mad at him, you were wholeheartedly mad at him right. for doing that jinx. Even if maybe there was some part of you where they're like, I mean, this is bullshit, I'm playing a part. But I think like you get mad about this stuff or you just knock wood, not because you think... Yeah. Like, uh, well, better safe than sorry. It's like, no, you got to knock wood if you just uh, said something good was going to happen. Right. So that that does get to some something that's at the heart of what I want to talk to you about. I think maybe it's worth saying how exactly how they measured these things. Do you want to go through the the like list of superstitions? Yeah, um, it's I don't love the list. No, but like also these were all Israelis, so I assume that there's some cultural stuff that that I don't. Um, right. You you might know. <laughs> What they ask people to do is to rate one how familiar they were with the superstition. So if they don't know, um, actually, they just ask them, are you familiar with it? Yes or no. And then they ask them to what extent they practice it and to what extent they believe it. And those were on both on five point scales. If you make a wish when you see a falling star, it will come true. So you're asked, are you familiar with it? Do you believe this? Do you practice it? Um, if you cross your fingers before an important test, it will help you succeed. If you make a wish when an eyelash falls, it will come true. These That's are ones one that I, I forgot about, but yeah, now I, right. like, I I totally forgot about that one. But I used to do that. Like uh, I'd still uh, do it. Jen yeah. and I would That's do so that funny. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. If you lose something in the house, I've never heard this one. If you lose no, something no. in the house, you should turn over a glass and you will find it. That must no, be but that's reason. awesome. I, I, I can't wait <laughs> to try start. it. <laughs> like I'm constantly losing things in my house. Right. So um, some negative ones. Those are all positive ones. Some negative ones. If you pass under a ladder, it will bring you bad luck. I know that one. Yeah, I, I believe that. If you see a black cat passing, you should spit to prevent bad luck. Didn't you knock know on that wood. there was anything you could do about that. I didn't either. The spit yeah. thing is not anything I've ever heard. 
Some more positive ones. If you enter a room with the right foot first, it will promote good luck. See, this is where I'm going to like the mild OCD that I sometimes experience is going to like start getting to me. Now yes. I'm going to start like paying uh, Mild. <laughs> it's genetic. Um, if you put a horseshoe on the wall of your house, it will bring you good luck. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I know horseshoes are lucky. I, yeah. Well, you was... guys have like the Ten Commandments or whatever. You know. <laughs> Perfect analogy. <laughs> If you scatter salt upon entrance to a new home, it will bring you good luck. I've not heard that one. I think that's a Jewish, you know, slash Israeli one. Yeah, because I have If you put a Hamza on the wall of your house, it will prevent the evil eye. What's a Hamza? Do you know what that is? No. Um, Never heard of it. Evil eye is a huge thing. Yeah. Everywhere else in the world is a huge thing. What is it? Actually, I don't even know what the evil eye is. What is it? Man, evil eye is like, I don't know. It's it's not something I was taught, but apparently all of my South American family is like, of course there's a such thing as an evil eye. <laughs> it's but just like you it? can get, it's like somebody can can uh, curse you by the way they look at you. But I think it's oftentimes like associated with you like, oh man, I'm going to get this wrong. Maybe like being, being braggadocious. Um, but I think that the common denominator is just that some people can look at you in a particular way that will curse you. More frequently, Malice toward and envy of prosperity and beauty are thought to be the cause. Um, thus, in medieval Europe, it was considered unlucky to be praised or to have one's children or possessions praised. So some qualifying phrase, such as, as God wills or God bless it, is commonly used. So it's kind of jinx, like jinxy. Those most often accused of casting the evil eye include strangers, malformed individuals, childless women, and old women. Okay, um, so you can cast it. Then. Yeah, the power of the evil eye is sometimes held to be involuntary. Um, so, oh, so maybe it's malice. So if, if you say like, oh, my daughter is doing so good in college to me, um, maybe it's my own envy of your family success that will cause me to cast the evil eye on you. So if I, oh, if so I'm involuntarily, like, oh, Liza's is doing great. And you're, that's like, why you, yeah, that's why like, and I heard my Muslim students tell me this in Qatar where they're like, that's, that's why you say if God wills at the end of that. Cause otherwise your envy will cause bad luck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shit. Right. Okay. And so, so uh, you have to like say something very humble at the end of that braggadocious statement, like it's God's will, or else I might have envy in my heart and cast an evil eye. You know, it's funny because like I don't obviously I don't say as God wills <laughs> if I'm talking about something good, but sometimes I will try to like temper it just to not seem like I'm telling you that my life is like better than yours or something like that. You know right. what I mean? So I, I think I probably. F- feeds from the same impulse i think just, that's right yeah yeah um okay so uh i'm sure we'll get a lot of mail about the evil eye if you celebrate a birthday before its date it will bring you bad luck i don't know that but that makes sense to me yeah i think that definitely yeah. is true um <laughs> also like like a curb episode like you can't hold a birthday party like more than <laughs> right like, 10 days after your birthday. It's like you missed yeah. your chance. You had it. You yeah. missed it. You'll have Absolutely. another birthday. You know. If you encounter... Oh, no. Wait, this is a weird one. If you pass a knife or scissors between people, they will fight. I've never... Isn't that get disproven all the time? <laughs> that seems weird. <laughs> yeah, oh, like... Right. Like, I've said, pass me the scissors, and, like, my wife and daughter haven't gotten, like, started clawing each other's eyes out. <laughs> but maybe we've know. just been, like, hit the lottery. <laughs> you've been very... You've... you've uh, you have enough... You've poured enough salt on your threshold. Um, if they ask me to pass it, I'll just be like, no, I'm, but I am laying it down on the table right now. <laughs> I'll throw it. <laughs> um, 
If you encounter the number seven, it will bring you good luck. Sure. Yeah. If you see a gecko in your house, it will bring you good luck. I should have much better luck than I have. <laughs> we get geckos in our house fairly. You don't know the counterfactual. You don't know the, the alternate universe where there's no geckos. That's true. Um, if a bird poops on your head, it will bring you good luck. Didn't that just know. sounds like... <laughs> Didn't That's all like what that. you tell people to feel make them feel better about. It, <laughs> it would have been nice to know that, like, like I remember there was one time, like eight years ago or something like that, where it was just the worst example of that. Just this big thing of shit on my head and i thought oh that sucks i just got shit on by a bird i didn't think like oh my god yeah, good luck like, you didn't pay attention to all of the good things that followed you never connected i know if your right hand itches you will get money uh never heard that if you spill salt it will bring you bad luck that's one that i actually sometimes do throw salt over my shoulder really um yeah uh, but that's bad. It'll bring you bad luck. So you no, if you spill, you spill the salt on the table. The way oh, to yeah. counteract that is to like throw some over your shoulder, um, okay. which just pisses off. Walking under a ladder is one that I actually kind of practice, except for when I'm feeling very perverse and I like shake my fist at the universe and like I walk right under it. I, I take it for you as a toxic rationalist. You would just say I believe in just none completely of these. disbelieve 100 percent all in bullshit. None of them. Yes. These are so all every bullshit. time you act like all the frequent times that you act according to some of them is all miscalibrated, right? Yeah. 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 It's it's but the here's where I get at like so I why am I doing it? And I think yeah. that I was left wanting some uh, a bit more analysis about this because I think that there could be different reasons why you do it. Like one, it's kind of a fun game to play. Like it's just like uh, it makes life a little interesting. You throw some salt over your shoulder or whatever. Yeah. Or like you realize other people are going to notice what you're doing and it's kind of funny or I don't know. And then there's the part where like you might actually think halfsies where you're like, well, I'm not quite sure. Like this might actually... Again, you were very mad at Yoel, and it wasn't like, oh, what a fun game we're playing. It was not a fun game, but it could, but it was kind of a game. So I'll give it an analogy. I don't feel very competitive, uh, like about achievement stuff like sports or whatever. And I remember when I was in high school, when we'd play pickup basketball and we'd lose, like players on my team would be like, fuck, man, like they were super pissed. And I would do the same thing. I'd be like, fuck, yeah, man, this sucks. And at some point I realized that like they actually meant it. They were actually upset. And I, I just thought it was something we were all doing. Like at the very most, it was because we couldn't keep playing. Because when you lose and pick up, you have to not play. But I, it felt like a social script to me. And yeah, I mean, I like obviously, if that's how you, how you're approaching it, that that's how you're approaching it. I wouldn't find that, like even in cases where, as in most of these, I think, like obviously, there's nothing to them. But when I'm acting according to them, I don't feel like I'm playing a sort. Like I will do it. I guess maybe an interesting contrast is: Are you doing it when you're alone? Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah, actually, now that I think of it, I probably do this stuff less, a lot less alone. Alone. Yeah, yeah. I knock on wood, but in, it would be in a conversation with somebody else. Yeah, I would. I mean, I don't really knock on. I don't do that one, but <laughs> my daughter takes it very seriously. Um, and will if like I knock on wood in addition, just because like I'm following the script, that's bad because now there's been two knocks, so now we have to oh. throw salt behind us or uh, spit or something. Do you think she's a calibrated believer about that? It's a good question. Like I, I think more. So I've been defending this contrast of like <laughs> stated versus practice, but maybe at, uh, at at a certain point the distinction breaks down 
Because, you know, if I'm like, okay, Omar will die if you don't get the answer to this question right. Right. <laughs> Does it really matter if, you know, you <laughs> jinx something without knocking wood? She would say no. And I don't think it would. she would struggle with that right. uh, question. But at the same time, I don't think it's, it's right that it's that miscalibrated either. This is where, you know, this is where I think that this paper and or the, these ideas actually... Uh, could extend far beyond um, superstitious beliefs. I think yeah. that we, you might have like a whole bunch of religious people who yeah. are in the same boat as as we are with. And by the way, I find like both of these segments today, I find it so hard to to speak with any authority about what my inner process is. Where yeah. I'm like, I don't do I believe it? Because you're like just I, this, you're a freak. <laughs> <laughs> No, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know what, like, am I, am I saying, is what I'm saying accurately representing to, do I really not believe, like, am I, am I really going through a script most of the time? I don't know. Um, Right. No, that's a really interesting thought, actually, that this (laughs) is a script. And, but like when you're following a script, you can get yourself in the mindset of believing the script, you know? I'll say with, yeah, with the Yoel thing. And I think it's, I think you might resonate with this. There is a part of really believing in some of this stuff, like with sports, that ups the ante and makes the enjoyment stronger for me. And mm-hmm. I, it's akin to like why you would bet maybe um, to like raise the stakes because there is this good feeling like, okay, if I'm all in, it's a it's a more fun experience. Like I'm going to be all in on this World Cup yeah. And that means I'm going to get mad when the ref calls bullshit and I'm right. going to get mad when people jinx it. Like that, there is where I'm just like in the zone right. and maybe in those moments, like give me an IT or whatever. I really believe that like, you know, my yeah. team gets fouled more and called less. And also you get actually mad at the ref. Like it's, yeah. a, it's, it, you know, I think the fun part is like, lie, will you shut him up? See, this is how you spread hate generationally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, Tamler is heard to be saying, <laughs> shut the fuck up to his dog on multiple occasions. Break the cycle, Tamler. Break the cycle. Uh, uh, with the refs, and you get mad at the refs, it kind of makes it more fun, but it also makes it more stressful and uh, a pain. Whereas I think with the jinxing, it is like it's almost fun when your friend jinxes a team on a group text and you can just <laughs> rag on them for yeah. it you know right. like and so there i think this idea of a social script is kind of interesting it is even though you're playing along and you can definitely get mad in the moment uh you it is just part of the making the whole experience richer and we right. all accept that uh, right. when we're doing it, you know? And if fact, somebody is like, well, there's no way, like, there could be a causal impact. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just like, up. fuck off. <laughs> you know, when Yoel heard the first time when I was saying how angry I was, he, he's like, dude, I just heard the episode, man, I'm sorry. And I was like, no, I'm not actually mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> right, it is. It's, it's like you both are, it's Schrodinger kind of thing. It's like... <laughs> I think that's true with a lot of this stuff that makes it hard to just completely isolate. Well, my degree in stated belief is this and my degree in practice is this. And I think partly it's because of exactly what you're saying that uh, with both those things, you know, like our kind of social scripts are playing a role. There's another thing I want to say. So I was saying that I think this can be extended to all kinds of belief, but I think superstitions are interesting because I think that we acquire rational beliefs 
through the same mechanisms. And it's just a matter of like, does the thing happen to whatever be right, like on whatever theory of right? So like, I think that people are quite superstitious about their recycling. Like people get really antsy about doing it the right way and putting the right stuff in. And probably shit all either gets sorted or it doesn't. Like if it were really that flimsy of a, of a mechanism that like it mattered whether you yeah. had it in one of the right three things, it probably wouldn't work very well. But people get really, really, they, they have a kind of emotional, like emotive reaction that like they, it's almost compulsive that if they see you put something in to the wrong bin, they'll get upset. I think that might be the same mechanism. Plastic yeah. just doesn't really get recycled, you <laughs> yeah. know, like, so it really doesn't matter where you put the plastic because it's getting right. thrown out. Now, if I acquire a belief, say, about um, my car emissions, I think that like I'm like, it might be actually the case that rationally, like my car emissions do not like all said and done, like it does nothing for global warming. But you kind of have to have this this mechanism where you acquire belief, so that like as a as a people as a whole, like if we all feel that way, maybe something will happen. So it's just by analogy because I know superstitions are on very different epistemic ground than some of these other beliefs. But I think that like the sim similar mechanisms are guiding a lot of our everyday behavior. We don't know, like we don't see direct causal evidence for most of the things that we do. So we have to kind of go on faith that they're they're having an effect. Yeah, it's a uh, when it's working well, it's a kind of ritual that makes life richer and better and makes you a better person. And when it's bad, it's doing the opposite of that. But like, um, I think, you know, we always talked about this with the distinction between Christianity and Judaism, where right. Judaism is very heavily on, like focused on practice and yeah. not that focused on be belief. Like, yeah, whatever. You say there's no God, just do the Shabbat yeah. and uh, fast on Yom Kippur and, and that's fine. You know, whereas right. like in Christianity, it's, it's, uh, it's not like that, but probably on, in both cases, like there is going to be a continuum there yep. as well and the people who go to church like yeah do i believe no but i like going to church with my family <laughs> right. you know it's the same kind of deal as the people who go to temple um yeah, yeah. right and you take your kids because like eh, i don't know it might matter you know like when, yeah. when you have to think about it for your kids all of a sudden you're like i maybe it's like it's like one big knocking on wood experiment you know <laughs> Did I tell you this story? I don't know if I've told this story. My dad was, so my dad was a rabbi briefly and went to yeshiva, it was a rabbinical college. I didn't know um, he was a rabbi. Yeah, very briefly. It's a funny story about how he got out of that, but I'll save that for another podcast. <laughs> but uh, he was a student of a very famous rabbi, Soloveitchik. And one time my dad was struggling with doubts and he was, you know, he was already getting attracted to the, the sinful world of analytic philosophy <laughs> and uh, asked his, a Soloveitchik, like, what's the, like, I, I'm starting to doubt the existence of God. I mean, what evidence do we have for it? Do you believe, do you really believe in God? And my dad, the way he told the story, he would say, uh, well, on, uh, it's how I live my life. Uh, absolutely. But intellectually, it's 50-50. <laughs> and just that idea. <laughs> right, right. You know, is, I like that, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, but that's, that's a more Jewish thing. Like, that's something that makes sense 
in yeah. the Jewish script more than in the Christian script. For sure. Okay. There's this, there's an old uh, uh, Rosin and Cohen paper, Paul Rosin and um, Cohen paper, where they look at the difference between uh, Christian and Jewish students and how they evaluate like beliefs and intention, like mental states basically versus mm-hmm. behaviors. And they show that this is actually true that, you know, if the, if the Jewish man who hates his parents, but nonetheless is a dutiful son and takes care of them and tells them he loves them, but secretly hates them. Like that's a good guy for like Christians. That's like, what you hate your parents. Like that's terrible. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just do the thing. Just do the thing. I think there's a deep wisdom to that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And I think for a lot of superstitions, I mean, like I feel like superstitions, you know, however I fall on the scale of belief, and practice like the ones that I do like I feel like make life better rather than worse I can imagine that it might make life worse and especially maybe at a group level it probably leads to a lot of persecution and uh, if it's a so and prejudice um but those you know like these more benign superstitions I think are fun they're kind of fun until until yeah. someone gets hit in the head with a glass because you said no hitter <laughs> yeah right <coughs> but they did they had that coming <laughs> It's fun for you. There's a punishment <laughs> consequences for not learning the social script. <laughs> I do feel bad for the poor person who has no idea that that's a thing that you're not supposed to say. <laughs> yeah. Well, then I think people I actually feel like if they actually don't know it, then it's less likely to have an impact <laughs> on on the game. There's a there's a complicated uh, there's a complicated mechanism to this. <laughs> what here's a question. Now normally my like just in general if we were talking about a paper like this I I would think the methods of trying to analyze this quantitatively are uh, way too crude as likely to distort as they are to inform blah blah blah. In this one I'm a little torn just cuz I think while I don't buy some of the more complex, uh, you know, associations they make between like anxiety or the pandemic or whatever, it's it's kind of interesting that, you know, just getting a, a very low number for people who practice and report complete disbelief in superstitions is pretty interesting. But now, I don't know. It's not like I looked at the math. Like I didn't. Uh, the data Kalada guys can tell me that uh, some of this stuff is is bullshit, but yeah, just but the they're idea, never going to say anything again. They'll never. No, they'll be like the, the uh, this paper, paper is beyond reproach. Okay. Uh, but like, just people who are calibrated are fifteen percent is kind of interesting. You know, I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I, I might have guessed a little higher for calibration. You know, yeah. There is a, a sort of too much faith on the precision of measuring these things. Mm-hmm. But like if if you just look at the at the means, the correlations, I think it's saying something when somebody is like on average their belief score is high and their their practice score is low. The calibration part I thought was a little tricky because like it relies on like two numbers lining up perfectly. So like imagine mm-hmm. us answering the scales so well like that that it captured uh we said a three when we meant a three and we didn't kind of read it differently and, and read it as a two. Like, right. Never mind just how good are we at interpreting our actual exa- yeah. experience. Yeah, exactly. So the calibration, if I'm understanding it right, the calibration score seemed like a pretty high bar because it requires both numbers to be like the same, which requires all of those things to Exactly the same? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. They're doing some sort of, of different score. So like if you... 
Yeah. Well, if, it, yeah. if they perfect, yeah. But that, but that doesn't mean that the uh, that that's not still saying something. That like the people who are those two scores are closer together, like seem to be in a smaller group than the people who's right. Like the biggest group, if I'm remembering correctly, the biggest group was the people who don't. They say they don't believe that much, but they practice nonetheless. Yeah. And and then this paradoxical other group. What do you make of those people who say they believe but don't practice? Is that just like, are they just lazy? Yeah, it's weird. Like, it's a very common phenomenon. Like, I believe it's wrong always to eat meat that might come from a factory farm. But occasionally, like, I will do it if I'm out at a restaurant and I'm like, they don't say and whatever. But like with superstitions, it's a little weirder because... Right. Seems like, why would you walk under a, a ladder if you really believed that it would be bad? Like, unless you're suicidal. Maybe it's kind of that new part of this new Gen Z nihilism. It's like, fuck it. Well, it's like Paul Bloom's idea of perverse action, you know, like when you do something just because. Yeah. This is where my I get kind of almost postmodern about something like this, because like, do I think that there are exactly 15 percent of the people in the world uh, are right. well cali- have well calibrated beliefs no not even like that would be silly uh, to think that any that that there's even any more reason to believe that now than there was before but i think like it still tells you something and it gets and importantly it just gets you to think about this stuff like yeah. even just in the course of this conversation i think i've changed my view on the fact that it's good to have these two scales and to keep them distinct and compare them to each other uh, see how they interact and now i'm wondering if it's, that's too sim- even that's too simple but just right. like i didn't i wasn't thinking about this issue at all before <laughs> you know and how to like delineate different things and make the right uh, demarcations Right. I think there's always going to be a lot of noise and stuff like this, but I'm I'm convinced that there is something, you know, to the extent that say you and I differ, like a rough scale like this is not that bad. It's almost qualitative. Yeah. It's almost just asking yeah. us, right? right? Maybe that's yeah. why I kind of like it is it's almost yeah. qualitative. Yeah. Um, it's like, well, look, like I kind of believe or I like really believe. And like you and I, we know from a long conversation that we'll have different levels of belief in, in certain things. And a five-point scale seems at least in, uh, like a believe to not believe. Unlike that first thing that we took where we were kind of perplexed at the at the questions. Um, right. This you one, could interpret like, them these radically different ways, right. a lot of the questions. Right. Whereas these, it's yeah. like, like, how much do you believe this actually? <laughs> and right. I guess the reporting on practice is probably a little trickier than we might think. Maybe, yeah. But no, I think it's I think it's a good step. Like, a, And I think that this is something that weirdly hasn't gotten enough attention you know i thought that this related maybe to the internalism externalism debate in philosophy but it really doesn't that's really i I looked into it i stared into like just the (laughs) The the black hole now this is internalism externalism in epistemology which yeah which is really about justification it's it's almost exclusively about justification and that's not what this is about right obviously but i think it's uh, maybe related to like functionalists about belief versus representationalists or, you know, you might think that if you're more of a functionalist about belief, then to, to really figure out whether you believe something, you also have to take your behavior into account. Right. Whereas with, uh, I don't know if, like, I, I, I barely looked into this, but I think this other more traditional view is that your beliefs are what you say they are after you've reflected on the question. And if you 
act in a way that d- diverges from that, then you're just being irra- your actions are irrational um, right. uh, when compared to your belief. But I, if I'm right, and if not, and then this position is open, then uh, some graduate student, please take it. Um, but like, I would imagine functionalism is something like, no, we take everything about how you're, you're behaving in addition to like stating or reporting, uh, to determine your beliefs. Yeah. It reminds me of economists when they talk about revealed preferences, where your behavior is your choice, like your actual behavior is, uh, the best metric of what you prefer. You, even if you say like I love I love Wheaties, but you never actually buy it, yeah. Or like that classic Netflix example of putting all the documentaries in your to watch list, but only watching Marvel movies. You say like, no, I really love documentaries, but they could be like, well, in this case, like I don't know what you mean by that because <laughs> you're right. just like, not watching them. <laughs> yeah, I, that's a really interesting question to me. Maybe our beliefs aren't transparent to us. Uh, And we have this different kind of self-image than the facts. And then, so I guess it's terminological uh, ultimately, but like it makes more sense maybe to say, well, you don't love documentaries because you watched uh, one documentary in the last two years, (laughs) you know? So like you you may say you do and you may believe that you do. Yeah, right. um, If you're actually talking about whether you do or not that's probably that's it's at least relevant information yeah you know yeah yeah no this whole internalism externalism thing and then you get into more action theory uh stuff these are interesting questions but you get in very quickly into like the eighth circle I'm, of analytic philosophy hell i'm uh, but i'm excited that you even got this far this is see you say you don't like analytic philosophy and here you are <laughs> <Yes>. talking <laughs> The functionalist actually takes <laughs> twin you know, on twin Earth. If uh, this <laughs> works. all right, uh, any last thoughts about this? Um, only that I that this episode has made me really suspicious of my introspective abilities. <laughs> I don't know what I believe. I don't know what I think anymore. Yeah. yeah. I guess for me, my final thought is I just feel so bad for these large, like, corporations, how much money they lose on Friday the 800 to 900 million. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope this paper can go some way into, uh, like, fixing that problem for them. Okay, but people really not staying on the 13th floor is kind of funny. Yeah, right. And some hotels not... Like, you know how yeah. some hotels will just go from 12 to 14? <laughs> 12 to 14, So yeah. are those four, like people on the 14th floor who might not know this, are they fucked now? How does that work? Is it just I mean, that if you don't don't they that- all know that they're actually on the 13th floor? Or do they really believe that, like, that they created like a thin sliver of a, <laughs> of a floor just to make sure that it was the 14th floor? That's a really good question. Or are they just uh, taking advantage of these people that they don't notice like how the floor system works, you know? <laughs> They maybe even have on the elevator. It, nobody ever gets off, but there is a phantom 13th floor that actually <laughs> yeah. doesn't exist. But the elevator is programmed to show that it goes to the 13th floor. Then you, like, people aren't counting windows when they stay in a hotel. So. <laughs> right. <sighs> All, right. All right. Food for thought. <laughs> <laughs> Join us next time on Very Bad Wizards. Hey,